I'm Maverick Pallock, and I'm Associate Sports Editor, and you're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Emerald Football Podcast, where we talk about Oregon football. Uh, as usual, I am joined by Maverick Palak. Hello. And Sean Meadow. How's it going? Still good. Uh, That's good. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, a lot better for the Ducks, obviously, this week as a uh, 42-21 to victory over UCLA. Spoiled Chip Kelly's return. Chip Kelly cheered, kind of, would you say? I would say that was a I heard a couple cheer. boos, but there it was, was there overwhelming were, cheers. There was a layer. No one could find him after the game. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't. Find Sean him Meadow the ran out into the on the field trying to find a, to get a picture of him, and he was I, I gone. Could, I couldn't find him. I went and scouted out by the UCLA tunnel and couldn't find him. So I think he might have like a Marilyn Monroe tunnel at Autzen Stadium. Secret y- passageway. Yuck. Um, <laughs> I was busy tying my shoe while you were doing that. A, Good to know. A loose left Good knot. Good way to, to spend your your time at the end of the game. Yeah. But UCLA was uh, not good also. I didn't even think Oregon played that great. I think they they had six really important plays, most of all on special teams. I didn't think the offense was that good besides Dylan Mitchell and obviously the Tony Burks-James run at the end. But Verdell was averaging a 2.9 a carry up until the end when – Stephen Jones was just mauling guys at left tackle. And they had their best run blocker at center because Throckmorton's probably the best run blocker there. And putting him right next to Lemieux and then having Stephen Jones, who's six, a thousand feet. I stood next 6, to him today. Six thousand feet? Yeah, dude. I was looking up the whole time when I was talking to him. You're not looking up when you talk to the other guys? Well, yeah, I'm looking up when I'm talking to everyone, but probably Tony, Brooks, James, and Cyrus, and CJ. Besides the running backs, I, I think I'm looking up, but... <laughs> Can I talk about the dang game, Jack? Um, Steven Jones is 6'7". 6'7", yeah, dude, that's a whole foot taller than me, dude. I ain't holding you I'm back like from anything. I'm like 5'7 and a half. I might be 5'8 if I'm lying a little, but 5'7", but 6'7", 360, yeah. He's a big dude, and as Jack Butler loves to read these stats, he was the highest graded player from Pro Football Focus <laughs> in the UCLA-Oregon game. No. Yeah, he's like, don't use those in stories. You won't find any references. I only use them in stories when Jack Butler is editing my story, which is all of them. <laughs> I don't even like it, but Matt, Matt I like Jack it. hates it. I think he's lying. He loves it. But was this an impressive enough win for Oregon to... I think it's a confidence booster. Move on. Yeah, yeah, the they needed two. it. If they won 35-28, that would be... Like sure, that but would hurt like, confidence. I think they should have won this game, and they and they dominated. They had big plays, but I just didn't think they played a perfect game. You you thought that they dominated uh, in certain aspects. I thought Dylan Mitchell showed he is the second best, maybe third best receiver in the Pac-12. But that's just in one position. I don't think they dominated necessarily. I think this. Game I think was their a lot special teams been, dominated the Bruins. Right, and you wrote about it after the game. Big plays. Oh, did Those I? were. 
you don't remember anymore. But nah. big plays, those explosive. He was moments. tying his shoe. He was Come tying on. his shoe. That's right. So those big explosive plays, those special those aren't going to happen moments, against other teams. They're not exactly. Well, they're that's not what I said happen. earlier. I thought they right. they dominated so, a bad team, is, but they didn't like. That's not dominated in my opinion. I, I thought there was not. I in my opinion, dominating means there's not one instance of the other team possibly winning that game, and I never at. In a moment of that game, thought UCLA was going to win that game. 21-7, you didn't think of that? No, I never thought UCLA was going to win that game. Dorian Thompson-Robinson is not a good thrower. Wilton Spate is better Is better at throwing the football four yards, yes, but not much else. I saw him for two and a half years at Michigan. I wouldn't he was say that great. they dominated that, but I definitely agree with you that I don't think that, you know, I don't think there was a moment once Oregon went up 14 nothing. That I ever thought that once Ugachuku Amadi caught that punt, the game was over. Do so you think seven nothing after the first? Yeah, there was no the way was UCLA over. was going to outscore them by one point for the rest of the game after that moment, and that's what you have to do to win. <laughs> no, yeah, race. outscore the other this team. This just in. Yeah, I'm here to teach everyone the rules. Yeah, of I think I think Oregon. I agree. Oregon wasn't in a position where they were they were ever going to lose that game once they started getting going on the scoring. I think. That first touchdown was expected that Oregon would go up, and it wasn't one of those games where UCLA was ever going to come back. But that's a game you have to win convincingly, and I just don't think they necessarily walked out on the field. Because like, if, if they made UCLA look like a high school team, that's a different story. But they could have... If this Oregon team was as good as people said they were going to... Why, be, wasn't, why don't you think it was as convincing? I think that Oregon just didn't make enough progress... On the receiving end, it was really just another. Hey, Brennan Schooler had more than one catch that in was the game because that was because Dylan Mitchell wasn't starting. Yeah, but there was on the field they yeah. brought him in when when Dylan Mitchell was hurt. La- was it last week against Arizona? Yeah, it took Brennan Schooler a long time to get two catches. It and Breland was getting involved. He had like three targets. One was from Maymoan, but Breland got multiple targets. Right. But okay, so the, there was Johnny Johnson still is not getting open. The, yeah, and the air game is just not working. The ground game is back a little bit, so that's that's well. They there. actually ran the ball. They're actually this week. running the ball, but I don't know. It just wasn't completely convincing to me. It just didn't feel like a dominant game for them. I, I thought that the the running game was their commitment to it in terms of play calling was good. I mean, I think they had. They called eight more runs and they did passes and they were consistently in the first half when it was a, you know, closer game. They were consistently calling runs, you know, on first downs. And, you know, Crystal Ball has said after the Washington game specifically when they when they ran the ball a lot, even though they were only averaging, you know, somewhere around three to four yards per carry, that that was still a number that they were OK with. And that's kind of what they were at even against a poor statistically poor UCLA run defense. Uh, obviously, you know, Tony Brooks James had that 54-yarder at the at the very end that, yeah. that you know, certainly... Where Stephen Jones was the guy that this got... This is true, and, and certainly those count. Oregon ended up with 4.8 yards per carry, which is, you know, obviously something they would take every single game, but before that big tony brooks james carry it was you know kind of three yards per carry ish and uh well that's you know, what Oregon, and yards i think per carry and and they're okay with that but yeah. i mean kind of building off sean's point I, I do think that the passing game was a little underwhelming again and and you know dylan mitchell 856 two touchdowns he's obviously something special but other than that i mean cj verdell the running back 
was who has no history of you know catching passes was the next highest receiver with you know four receptions and after that yeah Brendan Schooler had three but one of Breland's was a was the fake field goal but which Breland, was a good call Breland I, also had the I mean I didn't think it was pass interference but everyone in Austin thought <laughs> it was pass interference had that long pass so at least he's being targeted for deep passes yeah but I mean targets is sure but he's, well targets eventually the catches are coming I, I, are I'm you just, sure about that well, in a way where, Look like, Johnny it, Johnson. No, but at least they're targeting people down, downfield. It used to just be there'd be one random throw to Jalen Red downfield, one random throw to Johnny Johnson, <laughs> that, and then okay, and then Dylan mean. Mitchell will get a ton. But now the tight ends are actually catching the ball fifty percent of the time. They get it thrown to them, and that I mean that helps a little. And we've seen Herbert makes those plays and throws them on a dime. The Cano Dylan touchdown against Cal. Where he threw it, what thirty yards in the air and it was perfect. The Dylan Mitchell touchdown against but the tight ends after uh, that UCLA. have been pretty MIA. No, but I'm just saying people going deep besides Dylan Mitchell catching the ball. Do you think, do you think Cam McCormick being healthy, if that would have changed anything? No in idea. That? Yeah, no idea. There's we no haven't seen him know. play. He's on play. Um, but uh, I, I assume he is more athletic than Breland because everyone said he was more athletic than Breland. But then again, Breland could be the better blocker, or Breland could right. be the better route runner. Who knows? We won't know till next year. Who's the better route runner who's the better at getting open but i, I mean i i still think that you know it if there comes a point in the next three games where dylan mitchell's off or not getting open or uh defenses have been but maybe more successfully double covering him triple yeah i'm you know triple covering him i don't see a guy and i think again and you know kind of something i was looking for in that ucla game i don't see a guy that's really there to step up in the receiving core in any way outside of Dylan Mitchell right now. And I think that's, you know, it's okay at home, it seems, when they're able to run the ball, but now they got to go on the road, you know, which we'll get to in a little bit, you know, to to the Pac-12's best rushing defense uh, with a banged-up offensive line. So, you know, they're going to have to probably rely on that air attack even more, and and obviously Utah's passing defense is still one of the top in Pac-12 too. They're probably... Them and Washington are probably through and through the best d- defenses in the Pac-12, and you know there were there were times against Washington where you know they struggled to get the passing game going, and and I don't really I haven't really seen anything in the last couple of weeks from Brandon Schooler or, or Jalen Red that seemed to me like they're starting to figure something out. So uh, you you know, and I think they work they work together in in the sense that obviously. You know, if they're able to find open receivers elsewhere, that'll take some pressure off that running game, and and that's going to be really important considering, you know, like I just said, considering the situation they're about to roll into, which is in an extremely tough place to play, and they've been bad on the road, although they did win there two years ago. We thought that saved Helfrich's job. But then he lost to Oregon State, and that's probably going to get you canned, and it did. But I'll never forget that game, dude. (laughs) Ryan Nall, man, that was... Yeah, bowled them over. Duck fans won't agree, but that was one of the funniest games I've ever watched. <laughs> yeah. Just in the sense of, like, who who the heck are these guys for Oregon State? And they're all just, like, running over people. I don't know if Ryan Nall even got a preseason invite this year. He'd be a good special teamer, I think. But um, Ryan Nall destroyed that Brady Hoke. Was it Brady Hoke that year or was that Pelham? No, that was Hoke. Okay, yeah, that was that poor Brady Hoke defense. Which, by the way... Pelham coming back to uh, Austin. No one even talked about that. Yeah, true. I saw and, I saw a picture of him hugging some some guys, some linebackers, some upper class 
guys that were yeah because he w- what he recruited Troy Dye right yeah Kalana and that's yeah, it yeah I right? mean yeah <laughs> Kalana walk on but they certainly coached yeah and they certainly I think that's all them. the linebackers well Kalana's now out and speaking of middle linebackers they got some depth issues because. Kalana's out for pretty much the year. I mean, said they could be back for the bowl game, probably depending on the bowl game and the date of that. And then I think he'd still, Isaac if he Slade is able to, to he'll come back for his last game. I think I messed that up. Mautatia. Mautatia. Isaac Slade Mautatia also out, I believe. Yeah, right now. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. So It's it's Samson. So, sophomore Samson. Samson New from San Diego. And then so a little a little uh a little linebacker depth not necessarily depth issues but some guys you know lacking a little experience going to have to step up against a pretty good uh, Utah rushing attack. So we'll see. Well also if Samson I don't even think was in on every play it was Adrian Jackson a lot. Yeah, they'll probably too. switch. And then I know Brady Breeze moved to linebacker. Ooh, they said that last week. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah, that's pretty small linebacker. Not that Kalana's any bigger. But, I mean, Breeze has shown he's very good at tackling in the open field on special teams, and I think that's kind of what they're going for. Maybe, like, dollar-dime packages yeah. Brady Breeze fills uh, in I there. I can see that. Because who would you say is the best pass defender out of the linebackers? Troy and and I, Lana, as, as they call I, them? I don't know. I, I've, I've actually seen Justin Hollins go out and make a couple yeah. plays. Yeah, yeah Justin, Justin Hollins. <laughs> No, but nothing's worse. Than, or he he's made some great plays, but remember against Cal, I think it was against Cal when McLawain like pump faked and Justin Hollins flew like fifteen feet in the <laughs> air trying to stop it, and then the ball was like four feet under his leg. But Lamar was lining up in pass coverage also. Like they've been throwing yeah, people no, no, all I over. I mean, those outside linebackers have to sometimes. No, but like take like some guys. I I think I think he's technically <laughs> the other middle linebacker in pass coverage. Yeah, I'm sure they'll get creative. I mean, that, I, I'm not too concerned about the linebacker depth because I actually do think they have some guys that they can throw around. They can play multiple positions. And well, that's what I thought they were going to do. With gotten the... experience because Adrian Jackson started. Uh, what was it? Edge. Uh, he, you know, he. Uh, what was it? Bowling Green. No, he started against Portland State. Yeah, Portland State. Portland State. That was it. I was trying to think. I was like, which one? Which one of those three crap games was it? It was the one you covered with me. Yeah, that was just Portland State. <laughs> yeah. Um, what I pictured in this is like maybe using a safety a little more, and I guess that's kind of what they might do with Brady Breeze. I doubt Breeze is the guy that actually plays the linebacker spot, but they could do Nick Pickett or play with three safeties more instead of just using them in the nickel situation where Ugo will play the nickel back and it'll be Pickett and Javon at safety. Uh. And instead, has like an inch on Breeze. No, but maybe. I'm just saying, playmakers get more of your playmakers on the field. Maybe not go for yeah personnel, but get your guys, your best eleven on the field more. If you don't have enough players at a certain position to do packages, just go with your best guys in certain situations. And I think that's what they did when Apelu went out. It was get Adrian Jackson on the field. He's a great playmaker, and then in in run situations where you, where you know what they're doing, that's when you put Samson in, who might be the more experienced and won't fall for certain things. I don't know, but I mean Jim Levitt is the inside linebackers coach, and I think he has a grasp on who he wants on the field when he is calling the plays. 
Yeah. I think I think so, but I, I agree. I think you got to have the best players on the field. Brady Breeze might be that that guy that does come in in the end, but I don't know if I, uh, yeah, if Brady that's Brace the right call. He didn't in, he didn't on Saturday, so I don't think I don't he'll, think it'll he, happen he, against he, Utah. He's, yeah, that's like a third down, third situation. down, third down, third and you know, like a hundred percent, they gotta pass <laughs> yeah. it. Like that's what I see that because you're going against it. Utah team. I think their base defense is going to be, I guess it's technically a 4-2-5. That adds up to 11, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's 11. Yeah, like they're the four linemen they always have in 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 that situation, like where, and it'd be Lamar technically and Troy die, and then it'd be the five defensive backs, but then the four linemen would be Hollins and Jelks and Scott and Falu, Falu. I learned he was. I was pronouncing it wrong this whole time. I was too, apparently. Yes, yeah, it's, it's Feilu. I'm just learning <laughs> I didn't now. Know that either. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Regardless, but I mean, they're playing a backup quarterback, also. Yeah, and that's what's intriguing. No one really knows much about the backup quarterback. Jason Shelley is the guy, at least who came in. Pretty sure he's a freshman. Yeah, yeah, he's from Texas. Uh, Man, how many dang quarterbacks from Texas start in the NCAA? I do don't you think? Know. And and FBS. A lot of them. Probably 40. That's probably wrong, but <laughs> 23. I don't know. But he came in against, you know, when uh, Tyler Huntley got hurt and is out for the season against. Uh, what is it? There's, I don't. I, I see I his remember. last play was an incomplete pass. Uh, we were at the Oregon game already. We didn't see what happened, but. He had a broken collarbone. Oh, Wow. And uh, do we know any other quarterbacks off, that had a broken collarbone? Can't name one. No, no, no. Speaking of that, Burmeister but, but played. But that was <laughs> that's uh, right. Took, took one snap. when he came. No, in, he, no he, he played he at played. the end. Oh yeah, that's yeah. Right. I forgot. About but when he came I was in, thinking he real came time. in for a snap, and then they called timeout, and then he went back out, and then Herbert well, uh, went in. What I learned today was, and then he did you know they again, were rotating the offensive Wildcat. line the whole game? I didn't really notice. Apparently, Stephen Jones was playing. In the yeah, we noticed, we noticed the a couple Throckmorton one, yeah. but so apparently throughout the game they were moving Throckmorton to guard, and Stephen Jones would come in really? at left tackle. Wasn't didn't he say that he never the only position he hadn't played was guard? Well, he left played guard. right guard before. He's never he play, played left guard. He started at right okay. guard when Pasarchik got hurt. Oh, yeah, two yeah, years ago, Shane Lemieux because okay. left guard. So yeah, let's so run. Lemieux let's run. Let's run. Guard. Let's run through. What the offensive line is going to look like in the first half? Stephen Jones Utah. or George Moore? Stephen Jones today said he doesn't know which one of them are going to start. I assume it's going to be Jones. I assume Jones as well. And then Lemieux, Throck, Morton, Warmack, and Aiello. Lemieux, well, slow down. Lemieux at left guard as always. Yeah. Since Jake Hansen, the starting center, got called for targeting in the second half of the game against UCLA, he has to sit out the first half against Utah. Which I believe breaks his starting streak of every game since he has become a starter. Yeah, that'd be two years of starting. Yeah. Two and a half years of starting. It's kind of, of a starting. bummer way to lose your Yeah, no, streak. it was it was quite the call. I mean a lot of caught a lot of people off guard. You almost never see offensive targeting. Yeah. I mean, um and Shane Lemieux talked about that today. It's just like, well you he's I think he said he only seen it once while watching some game on T V. But did he remember what game? Usually remember. He said it at the time of the interview, but that wasn't. But I don't remember. Oh. So Shane Lemieux left guard. Calvin Throckmorton will be center for the first half against Utah. So he'll check off another position in his that starting list. Then 
Dallas Warmack. Yeah. Did I say Chance? No. Okay, cool. I just wanted to get that right because I messed that up earlier today. <laughs> Dallas, not his brother Chance, who's in the NFL. On the Eagles. Uh, but Dallas will be right guard and Brady, Brady Aiello as right tackle. Yeah. So. so kind of a mishmash of what they started with, but a group of guys that does have some experience that has struggled specifically first half Washington State in that entire Arizona game. Do you know what's cool, though? But It'll be the second true freshman to start at left tackle for Oregon. This year. If Steven Jones starts, yeah. yeah. That's pretty impressive to have you, one guy as a true freshman ready to play on your offensive line at a high level. And having two is pretty, pretty cool. Well, how much has Panay Sewell's absence now come back to hurt the Ducks? No, well, I think Stephen Jones is really. You think good. that's kind of like an easy jo- substitute, right? Jones there for played left tackle. He said in high school that that's what he was talking about, and he, this is where he feels most comfortable is at left tackle. And as you looked up his size, he's a hard man to run yeah. around. Six seven, and I don't remember what the weight was. Uh, I mean, it'll be interesting because, I mean, I, this isn't exactly the team that you want to debut a bunch of. Uh, a bunch of kind of new guys in different positions considering Utah is the best rushing defense in the Pac-12 allowing exactly 100 yards per game rushing this season which is 24 better than Washington which is second so so Oregon's going to have 40 and which carries. is which is about almost probably average out 100 better than Arizona and UCLA which Arizona and UCLA's rushing defense is or 10 and 11 in the Pac-12. You know, this is a completely sort of mishmash offensive line groups. I, I, I kind of disagree with you guys a little. I think Stephen Jones is nowhere near Penny Sewell well, yeah, in any way. That's what I said. So, no, like, well, it, I wasn't saying he's better than Penny Sewell. Well, I, I was just so saying I he's think, not going to be a deer in a headlight. You just don't think that the drop-off I mean, is as big as people are making it out to be. I think Penny Sewell is going to be the first overall pick in the draft when he leaves. Like, I, I, I am very high on Penny Sewell. I just think Stephen Jones is talented and is, like, a good college football true freshman uh, left tackle. You know, we haven't really seen anything. We played against UCLA a little bit, and that was, you know, did fine. But, again, there's a big difference between playing at home against UCLA's rushing defense, which oh, is going on their and playing at Utah. So, But the way you, know, you I, counter I, is, is run to the right side. <laughs> Brady Aiello and... Yeah, and, and Warmack. Dallas, Dallas Warmack, maybe. It also maybe, is maybe only right for a middle. half of football. Just only only run in the A-gaps because Brock Morton's in the middle and Shane Lemieux. Yeah, d- and, just run right behind those yeah. two. And, and, yeah, those two are two of the best probably 15 linemen in football. Well, I mean, I don't I, – I think they are, but there's this weird – I mean, that's what I've been kind of struggling to think about this year is how – individually good these offensive linemen seem to be but yet how they cannot run the ball against Arizona they and did how they r- struggled to run the ball they never ran the ball against Arizona that's why they didn't run the ball against Arizona they had, even when they did they, they didn't had do six it well. carries though you know their yards per even if they were they didn't doing it necessarily well I think they I'd, need they had to run the ball and I think more, before against UCLA before they kind of started to wear them down at the end which I don't think is going to happen against Utah you know, they, they kind of struggled to run the ball a little bit. And I think part of that is because it is really tough. As good as Calvin Throckmorton is and guys like that, it is really tough to, to, to hop around. But he still is not know, allowed to sack. It's, it's extremely impressive. Like what yeah. what the guy is doing is, 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 is read the cover story from last week. Who wrote yeah. that? 
Sean. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Good plug for yourself, though, Matt. That's, um, you got to do it. But, like, you know, this is a different animal in Utah, and maybe they'll be able to do what they did two years ago when no one thought that they would be able to go in and win. And Utah two years ago is kind of the same scenario. So last play, Dylan Mitchell catches the ball in Maybe. the back of the Wouldn't end zone, and something. Cristobal gives us an even greater like, gift. Like, oh, my God, my job. Uh, that's my favorite that, moment as a Oregon was. student was that face. But, you know, I, I mean, I think, like, Utah was a team that, I mean, let's kind of maybe dig a little more into Utah right now, but they were a team that had won four in a row. It's still atop the South Division, looked like the second-best team in the Pac-12 outside of Washington State, I would say. Um, they're you know they had won four in a row, then they lost to Arizona State. Maybe because Tyler Huntley got hurt, maybe not. Uh, maybe they would have lost anyway. But four in a row wins, you know, at Stanford versus Arizona versus USC is playing better, not great, but better, and uh, you know, just absolutely dominated, crushed on the road at UCLA far more than the Ducks dominated UCLA, which is you know not necessarily how it all works doesn't exactly work like that but for for you guys is there is there a specific you know key to the game something Oregon has to do differently than what they've normally done this year something that stands out the most on this matchup in particular I mean we've maybe not the rush defense versus Oregon's rush offense because we've kind of already dug a lot into that but maybe on the other side of the ball we haven't really talked too much about Oregon defense or Utah's offense that much but I would like to see um, the defense just put Shelly, that's his last name, yeah, Jason Shelly under pressure. He's a true freshman. This is your time to make their quarterback panic. Last year with Oregon having a true freshman, he was under, Burmeister was under pressure constantly and and just didn't know what to do with the ball half the time because it was an unfair, hard situation to be in, and that's what they should try and do with Shelly, keep him in the pocket and, and go crazy. I think Hollins and I think this is the time Lamar gets a, a sack or two. Yeah, I think that pressure is going to be big on the true freshman. But I look at the secondary as being what has to step up in this game because if Utah throws the ball, it's it might not be the most accurate quarterback that they'll be facing. So this is a chance to win the game, and that's what's going to, I think, take because like we've already talked about, Utah's defense is going to give Oregon's run game a hard time. If Oregon's offense doesn't get going, if Mitchell and Herbert's connection is lacking and no other receiver can step up, the defense might have to win this game, and this one could be a low-scoring affair. I think Oregon's defense is pretty vital to this game. They're lucky the quarterback on the other side is as inexperienced as he is. Okay. Why are you looking at me? I already talked. Just wanted to see. It sounded like you looked like you wanted to say something. Yeah, I just want. Mic. I just want to know what, the, like what you your score prediction was. If you think it's low scoring, are we doing score predictions now? Sure. Sure. Let's do it. All right. Well, mine is uh, twenty-one to thirteen. Who? Oregon. Cool. Busy day for Adam Stack. Well, like, does he do, does he get any attempts? Well, <laughs> I'm I'm assuming he would make a twenty-one yarder this time, but. I guess if he misses another assume. one, it's it's Emerson for the rest of the yeah, year. Yeah, I would assume that would happen. The Cristobal was not happy about that. Well, you uh, could see just from the fake field goal. Well, right? the fake field goal happened first, right? But I'm saying that there well, was, that was a little like bit of fifty yards, no dude, wasn't it? Like, yeah. was it? Fi- I thought well, it was, like, it was, a, it was, it was like from the twenty six from the twenty nine yard line. So it was. I remember when they tried it out. Forty yards. Oh, that's right. I remember when they tried it out there, thinking like, 
This is kind of fake territory. When he tried out there, I was like, they're going to take the delay a game and punt it, dude. That That's all I thought. Yeah, I remember thinking, like, this is long. I haven't seen them try. Well, they usually go for it. Like, I haven't seen them try one of these in yeah. a long I, Yeah, I don't know how they didn't – why UCLA even went for the field goal, um, like, on defense. But um, Well, they, they – I mean – they should have tackled Breland short of that first down. Well, they also should have tackled Maymon. Why is everyone <laughs> crashing? Like, someone go behind him. <laughs> Eliminate the spin-out. No punter should be able to spin-move you, ever. But That's an athletic punter. Yeah, Maymon made him pay. But I think the, the final score, I'm going Oregon 17. Oh, so you're low score, too. Well, I think Utah at, at Utah is a very hard place to play. 17 to... 15, Matt Gay hits five field goals because <laughs> Matt Gay is the best kicker in college football. That thin air. Well, he's also accurate as heck. True, so he can you can just bomb him. Yeah, Tuesday, 615, 515, 515. Uh, Oregon's the underdog, the three-and-a-half-point underdog. Oh, so I'm not? You guys are both. You guys are both uh, taking it. Take, they have them as underdog, even with Huntley yeah. quarterback. If Huntley was there, I think they'd be like seven point favorites. Yeah, they'd probably be. Well, I don't think Huntley's worth four points, but I think at home. But uh, I, I think they'd four. be closer to maybe five if uh, Huntley's uh, healthy. But I, I just have a hard time thinking that with this mishmash offensive line and and the struggles that Oregon's had on the road, and I, you know, they were better in the run, but game but I don't think they were great and Utah's defense is probably that in Washington uh the, the best that they've seen this year and we'll see so with that being said I, I I'm gonna go with Utah on this one I, I think Utah 20 Oregon you know 16 or, or somewhere what's around the over under the over under is 56 and a half Ooh, I'll take so, under. and we're all taking the under uh, on that, we agree on that. However, uh, disagreement. I I think that six and a half. With I'm, a backup I'm, I'm, quarterback. I'm game? gonna go with. I'm, I'm gonna say Utah. You know, twenty Oregon seventeen. So or, oh, Oregon, you added a point. Oregon still covers, but it, it, you know, if I'm picking, if I'm picking, you know, if I'm doing money line, I'm definitely picking Utah. Well, how do you do? But we have no idea what. Shelly looks like so the Utah quarterback so we will find out maybe he's really good I also just don't I also think that like Utah relies a lot on their running game and Tyler Huntley's good but he's not fantastic yeah really good running back fourth in the Pac-12 in yards per game behind Joshua Kelly who Oregon just faced and they let you know like 6.2 yards per yards per carry against Kelly so if Utah can even do a little bit more against the pet uh, in the passing game, then they might be able to take down the Ducks. But uh, that'll do it. Thank you for listening uh, to this week's edition. You can visit www.dailyemerald.com for uh, more of our written content uh, on football, but also on all Oregon sports and you know basketball starting up soon. Yeah, you can visit our website. Uh, like I said, for more Oregon sports content. Also, we can go to SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes for more from the Emerald Podcast Network, uh, which will soon include 
basketball podcasts, as well as other things happening around uh, the University of Oregon. So thank you for listening. Record it, man. I'm ready. Wait, do I say hi? You don't have to. Just say I'm. I'm Maverick Palak. Your associate sports editor at the Daily Emerald, higher than Sean Meadow, lower than Jack Butler. Yeah. Boom. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Can we do that two more times? Yeah. Let me think this out. I'm Maverick Palak. You're a sp- Should I not say your? What do I say? <laughs> Why are you saying your? Why the. Are you saying your? I don't know. I don't know what to say. Oh, oops. Sorry. Worked in um, radio for the. two years. Still doesn't know how to speak. Come on. Say the Worked in sports media for four years and doesn't know how to write a pitch. Ooh. That's so weak. <laughs> That's so weak. Um, I'm Maverick Palak, a sports associate editor. <laughs> this is the worst. Yeah, I, even I can't do this. Yeah, I, let's just not do it. Let's. Just, I don't need one. Need like a regular one? Yeah, I'm trying to. <laughs> just a regular one. Yes. Just say Maverick Palak, Associate Sports Editor at the Daily Emerald. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast. Network. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Okay. Maverick Palak, Associate Sports Editor at the Daily Emerald. I'm higher than Sean. I'm lower than Jack. You're listening to the Emerald Sports <laughs> or Podcast. So I'm just not. I don't need one. I don't want one. Yeah, I don't want one. <laughs> Do I have to? I mean, he's speaking factually incorrect as well. So. Uh, okay, wait. I'm Maverick Palak, and you're listening to the Emerald. No, I need my position. Yeah. I'm Maverick Pellick, and I'm associate sports editor, and you're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Are you like a recent hire? Like, what was that question mark at the end? <laughs> I don't know what I am. Yeah, I did mine last week. Oh, I meant, can you uncheck your mic, actually? Oh. Never mind. <laughs> ah! Okay, so that was good. Let's move on. Can you do it one more time? Ah! Welcome to the Emerald Football Podcast. I am your host, Jack Butler, and alongside me are Sean Meadow. Hey. And Maverick Palak. Hello. That's how it goes every week. 